welcome back to the Watchdog's Bark. My name is Drew. I am your host, and I consider myself a watchdog. This is episode 47. Uh, let's see. Oh, a slice of heaven. Listening to episode 47. I know it's cheesy, but I'm going with it. Whatever. All right. In this episode, we got a lot to talk about, including, I believe with all of my heart now that this climate change fanaticism is causing these wildfires. Now, I know I said that the fires are caused on purpose in Maui, and I still believe that, but there's other things that we need to consider that may have contributed to the severity of the fire and how fast it spread and how it was not able to be contained quickly. There's a lot of very interesting information about the Hawaii utility companies and the Hawaii policies on green energy, I think, caused a lot of that. All right. And then what do these charges really mean about Donald Trump? It's, it's way more than just Donald Trump. They're trying to attack every one of his supporters as well. And I'll explain that in more detail. Harvard University has a very large endowment, and their graduate students get a very large stipend. But apparently they can't live off that, so Harvard is teaching them how to pay for things in other ways that involve the U.S. taxpayers. I think you can probably guess what I'm going to talk about, but I'm going to give you more detail later. And what the hell, New Jersey? <laughs> There's all kinds of stupid things you're doing here. You're allowing uh, the school system to fire single pregnant mothers, but you're then allowing children to declare themselves trans and not have to tell their parents. The hell, it's, you, you're all over the place with your policies there, and it's insane. And Joe Biden's callous response to what the reporter said, what do you think about what's happening in Miami? Do you have anything to say to the people in Miami? He had no comment. That's basically what's going on in Joe's head all the time, no comment. Also, Joe had just got off the beach himself at his, outside of his Rehoboth Beach home. And he had met with a former ambassador of Romania. You know, gosh, I wonder what they were talking about. And, you know, Joe really doesn't care. He and Jill are now planning a trip to Maui because of optics and other people saying, Joe, you got to go to Maui. He really doesn't care. And honestly, Joe is incapable of telling the truth when he's asked any question anymore. The only time he actually says something truthful is when he's reading it off the teleprompter. Uh, I'll give another example. Recently, he was in Pennsylvania and told numerous lies, even the lies that you can disprove right then and there in front of him. It doesn't matter. It's because Joe is demoralized. He's incapable of knowing the truth anymore. Fannie Willis wants these trials against Trump in Georgia to start on March 4th. Gosh, that's the day before a really big event in elections. And I... God, I'm just having trouble remembering what day that is. Uh, the timing is not by mistake. The timing is not a coincidence. The timing is absolutely on purpose. All right. And, um, oh, now we know <laughs> Joe Biden used pseudonyms and fake email addresses when communicating with his son and Ukraine about Ukrainian policies, U.S. policies regarding Ukraine, and Joe, under a pseudonym, CCs his son. Why would he do that? Official government emails, and he CCs his son. Interesting. 
And again, Hollywood is gone insane and is showing how truly intolerant they are. Both Bradley Cooper and Helen Mirren are being criticized for wearing makeup and prosthetics to make them look like the characters they're trying to portray, and they're not really of the faith or nationality of those characters. That's insane. What, Hollywood, what is the point of being an actor then? Don't actors learn how to imitate and do dialogues or, or dialects and to, to try and become those characters? And yet, now you're criticizing Helen Mirren and Bradley Cooper for not being Jewish and playing Jewish characters. By the way, Bradley Cooper is playing uh, Leonard Bernstein, the composer, and everybody's all up in arms that he wore a prosthetic nose to look more like Leonard Bernstein. And Leonard Bernstein's children all agree that he looked great and that nose made him look like their father and, and grandfather because Leonard Bernstein had a big nose. That's just, goodness gracious, people, stop. And lastly, there's about $300 million worth of raw materials that were going to be used to build the wall that have been rusting on our southern border. And recently, it was determined that that border wall should be continued, like they should start up the construction again on that border wall. Well, Joe Biden is not having any of that, so he's selling all of these scrap materials for pennies on the dollar, so the wall cannot be built. Why are they having this, wall, this border wide open? There, there's obviously a reason why they're not enforcing the border laws. Do you know that last year, a record number of people on the terrorist watch list came into our country? And it's more than the last 20 years combined? Think about that. And there might be some other things I'll cover, but for right now, that's basically what's going to go on in this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments or whatever, <laughs> write me, drew at thewatchdogsbark.com. All right, let's talk climate change. First of all, I think everybody knows by now, if you listen to my other podcast, I am what's called a climate change denier. Oh my goodness. And I don't deny that climate changes. I just deny that it's caused by us. You see, as I've said in another podcast, every other planet in our solar system got warmer to the same degree as Earth, depending on their distance from that very bright object in the sky. In the daytime, you can't look directly at it because it'll burn your eyes and you have to wear sunscreen because you'll burn if you're out in it too long. And yet the scientists, I put in air quotes because they're not scientists, they're political scientists, basically. They're only getting grants when they are trying to prove climate change is man-made. Those that are disproving it, and there are a lot of scientists disproving it, aren't getting grants for some reason. There's, there's no money out there to disprove climate change. So what it, science is supposed to prove both sides. You're supposed to have arguments for and arguments against and be able to go back and forth until you determine what is and what is not true. They're not allowing the argument against in climate change. And now I can pretty much tell you the, the fire in Maui, although, like I said, I believe it was started on purpose, I believe one of the reasons why it burns so quickly and so ferociously are because of climate change fanaticism. 
Same reason why the fires are burning up in Canada and a few years ago in California. People that are so fanatic about climate change aren't paying attention to regular management and regular repairs that need to be made. Uh, It's now well known that the Hawaii Power Company devoted a lot of their money to climate change and towards renewables and did not spend the money they needed to on repairs of old and faulty power lines. And they've been warned for about 10 years now that there was a possibility of a major fire that could be started by downed power lines because they were in disrepair. They spent tens of millions of dollars on renewables and did nothing to repair their infrastructure. So if this was started by a downed power line, which could be possible, the reason why it burns so fast and so furiously is, number one, the power lines were very old and they could have malfunctioned, but also they even have water rations. They're even rationing water in Hawaii and on on Maui. And the reason why this fire kept burning is the firemen that were fighting it up in the mountains claimed that it was 100% contained and then left that fire and went to another side of of the island where another fire was burning. And then that fire reignited and burned all through Lahaina. So the reason why these fires are burning so severely is because we're not doing what is necessary to prevent them, as in forest management, clearing out all of that dry grass that was going to under all the power lines. That would have been step one. Not rationing water, especially for fire companies. Do you know the fire trucks pulled up into Lahaina and they were not able to get water out of a fire hydrant? There was no water. The water had been turned off. Another thing that's going to be a little disturbing, I'm going to say right here, is a woman that came from a city council meeting said that people are going to be shocked by how many children were killed in these fires because they canceled school for children that day. And all the parents still went to work. So the children were home by themselves in their houses and had no warning. The siren didn't go off. And by the way, the, uh, the, the leader of the um, safety uh, administration there in Hawaii had to resign because he tried to come up with excuses why he didn't set off the alarm, you know, for uh, tsunamis. And he, he actually used that as an excuse. Well, he says that uh, when the tsunami alarm goes off, everybody's trained to go uphill, you know, up to higher ground. And that's where the fire was coming from. Basically, not understanding basic intelligence of the human brain. When you walk out of your door and you look up on the mountains and it's all fire and you look towards the sea and it's clear, you're going to go left, not right up the hill. So that was ridiculous. And these poor children, they had no warning. There was no warning. There was no um, public broadcasting system. You know, when they do that testing, eh, Uh, And they say, this concludes the testing of the public broadcasting. They didn't use the public broadcasting system. And the alarms themselves 
may be for tsunamis, but I remember distinctly a couple years ago, the alarms went off because they thought a missile strike had been targeted to Hawaii, and their alarms went off all over the islands, and everybody freaked out. Well, those same alarms should have gone off when there was a fire spreading very quickly towards Lahaina. So, like I said, these poor children were in their homes, no warning until their their home was on fire, and by that time, it's too late. So, this woman says people are going to be shocked when they find out how many of the people that have died in the fire are going to be children. So, that's just something horrific to even think about. But these climate change fanatics are getting all of these companies to adhere to these green energy ideals and only focusing on renewable energy, wind and solar, when they're not dependable yet. Our energy grid and electric grid is ran by coal, oil, gas, and nuclear. They are not ran up maybe a, like a tenth of a percent. I don't know. It's, it's a minute amount uh, of places in our country that are actually ran by solar and wind. Because they're not dependable. The sun's not always out. The wind's not always blowing. So, and they have really no way of storing energy long term. Whereas when you have oil and gas and coal and nuclear, they're all completely dependable and long lasting. So it is because there is such a focus on these green energy ideals that they're not doing what they need to do to stop these forest fires. And that is forest management and water management, not water conservation, water management, make sure there's enough water in places that need water, like fires. I I still can't believe that the fire department actually left a fire that they said was 100% contained. They knew it wasn't, but they just ran out of water. And then they got down into Lahaina and tried to plug into fire hydrants and they were out of water. So Hawaii, that's horrible to not have the, the available water. I mean, goodness gracious, pump it in from the ocean. Spray everything with salt water. Doesn't matter. Goodness gracious, this should never have happened. There should never have been a time when there was no water left and the fire was raging. So until people pull their heads out of their butts and realize climate change is a fanatic religion, basically is what happens. It's what, what it's turned into be. People are such fanatics, they're like religious fanatics. They're like zealots uh, about climate change. And it's causing a lot of companies and a lot of cities and states and, and uh, businesses to be so worried about how they'll be judged and canceled if they don't adhere to all these climate policies that they're diverting money away from things that can actually prevent disasters like the wildfires in Maui and the wildfires in Canada that are sending smoke down into the northeast of our country and the big forest fire they had a couple years ago in California. And uh, Gavin Newsom blamed it. I don't know what he blamed it on. Climate change, I think. But he did not manage the forest correctly. And by managing forests, I mean, clear out all the underbrush that's like dry tinder for any fire. And that all, if that would happen, there would be a lot less forest fires and they would be a lot less severe if we managed the forests 
forests because the fire couldn't spread so easily. It would be long distances between the trees and the forest and bushes because all of the dried kindling <laughs> is what you would call it. Uh, between on the ground, all the dead leaves and dried twigs and all that stuff needs to be cleaned up. If that was cleaned up, we would have a lot less problems with forest fires. All right, now on to these indictments on Donald Trump. What do they really mean? I know everybody that hates him wants Donald Trump in prison for the rest of his life. And believe me, if every single charge he's facing, he's facing like, what is it, 90 charges now? If he is convicted on every one. He's looking at over 700 years in prison. And the left is just celebrating the fact that that could be a possibility. Now, that'll never happen, just to let you know. But what do these indictments really mean? What are they really going after? They're, are they only going after Donald Trump? No, no. They're going after all of his supporters and all of those who dared question the 2020 election. And you remember in last podcast, I talked about there's like a 29 minute clip of people on the left denying elections, denying 1968, denying 2000, denying 2004 and denying 2016 and calling Donald Trump an illegitimate president and saying he knows he's not a legitimate president. Then we've got Stacey Abrams. You know, if prosecutor Fannie Willis wanted to have any credibility going after Donald Trump for what he's, he did in trying to get the, you know, find more votes in Georgia, she should go after Stacey Abrams first because Stacey Abrams denied the election where she lost against Brian Kemp. She told everyone that Brian Kemp stole the election. Listen. I do have one very affirmative statement to make. We won, but I didn't lose. I got the votes, but we won't know exactly how many because of how they cheated. I did win my election. I just didn't get to have the job. We were robbed of an election. Just using the word rigged, using the word steal. Do you think it's dangerous going into 2020? I, I don't because we can actually back it up. And so in response to what I believe was a stolen election, and I'm not saying they stole it from me. They stole it from the voters of Georgia. I went outside asking if I'm ever going to concede. The answer is no. I think the election was stolen from the people of Georgia. I believe it was stolen from the voters. Thousands of Georgians had their voices stolen because they were not able to cast ballots. And they cannot be guaranteed that their votes will be counted in 2020 if we don't do this right. So, Fannie Willis, if you want any credibility whatsoever, you need to go after Stacey Abrams first because she denied the election of Brian Kemp in 2020. And she claimed she won. She claimed the election was stolen. Gosh, where have I heard that before? Now, do you think that Fannie Willis is going to go after Stacey Abrams and try to gain this credibility? Absolutely not. Why? Because Stacey Abrams has a D after her name and they're treated differently. You see, they want Republicans to be charged criminally for denying elections. But when Democrats deny elections, it's called defending democracy. 
Now, most of the indictments against Trump are basically protected free speech. Even a president of the United States is allowed to say that he didn't believe the election was fair and trying to uncover corruption. And when he called Brad Ratzenberger, you know, the Secretary of State of Georgia, and said, we got to find 11,700 some odd votes. That's not ordering him to manufacturing. That's not ordering him to steal them. He's just saying, we're behind by just just 11,000 some odd votes. We've got to find them. That's it. That's all he was saying. But they want to criminalize free speech. They don't want anyone to be able to speak out against elections ever again. They want everyone to be so scared of what is going to happen to Donald Trump in these courts that they will prevent anyone else from coming forward and protesting elections ever again. Just to give you a little bit of breakdown on some of these indictments that are the new ones against Donald Trump, they're not really trying to criminalize or, or make a criminal case out of what's happened to Donald Trump. They're trying to basically nullify your right to free speech. And I got this from um, Charlie Kirk. He broke this down. Uh, this is Act 22 in the indictments. On or about the third day of December 2020, Donald John Trump caused to be tweeted from his Twitter account, real, at real Donald Trump, Georgia hearings now on OANN Amazing. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. No, this was Donald Trump saying, hey, there's a great program on One American News about the Georgia election hearings. You should go listen. They want to criminalize that. They want to turn that into uh, furthering a conspiracy. Here's another one that's insane. They want to at make asking for phone numbers a criminal conspiracy. This is the, uh, the actual indictment. Act 6. On or about the 21st day of November 2020, Mark Randall Meadows sent a text message to United States Representative Scott Perry from Pennsylvania and stated, Can you send me the number for the speaker and the leader of the Pennsylvania legislature? POTUS wants to chat with them. This is an overt act of furtherance of the conspiracy. Do you see a pattern happening here? Anytime you try and get information or state your belief about an election, they can criminalize that if you say the wrong thing. And they're actually going after Mark Meadows for asking for the number for the speaker and the leader of the Pennsylvania legislature so they, the president can talk to him. The president's allowed to talk to anybody he wants to. That's his prerogative. He's the president of the United States. And you can't even take away his freedom of speech rights. Then this next one really baffles me. But again, uh, you have to understand why they're doing this. Now they want to make signature verification a conspiracy criminal act. Here's how it reads. Act 32. On or about the 6th day of December 2020, Donald John Trump caused to be tweeted from his Twitter account at Real Donald Trump. Gee, what a surprise. Has anyone, anyone informed the so-called Governor Brian Kemp and his puppet Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan that they could easily solve this mess and win? That was the tweet. Basically, what he was asking for is signature verification. 
it's time to verify the signatures on all of those ballots. And so now they want to make signature verification and call for a special session to actually solve problems. Now they're going to call this an overt act of furtherance of the conspiracy. Wow. And lastly, this is, these are just a few examples, but they were brought forth with, by Charlie Kirk, and I thought they were brilliant, so I want to read them. Now they want to make telling the public to call your lawmakers a, conspiracy, a criminal conspiratorial act. Whew, here's how this one reads. Act 38. On or about the 7th day of December 2020, Rudolph William Lewis Giuliani caused to be tweeted from the twi- his Twitter account, at Rudy Giuliani, a retweet of unindicted co-conspirator individual eight, I don't know what that is, whose identity is known to the grand jury that stated, Georgia Patriot call to action. Today is the day we need you to call your state and house reps and ask them to sign the petition for a special session. We must have free and fair elections in Georgia. And this is our only path to ensuring every legal vote is counted at realdonaldtrump.com. So this of actually asking your constituents or the public to call their representatives, you know, the people supposed to be representing them in government, actually calling them and ask for a special session to count all the votes and make sure there was no illegal activity that we are pretty sure went on, by the way. Uh, and no, this, all this asking the public. So basically the same thing. If a radio host is on there and gives the number of their elected representative and said, call and blow up their, their switchboard and tell them no on this, this uh, act or no on this bill, that is going to now be considered a criminal conspiratorial act and an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Yeah. So these indictments, the real purpose, yes, is to put Donald Trump in prison and make it impossible for him to campaign. And it just proves how frightened they are of Donald Trump and what he will do if he gets back in office. He will undo all of the things that they've been trying to do for decades to take complete control and allow a world governance. And yes, I do believe that. Oh, and just a funny little aside, uh, Fannie Willis wants these trials against Trump in Georgia to start on March 4th next year, March 4th, 2024. What? Oh, I know. That's the day before Super Tuesday. Do you think that's actually a coincidence? No, I sure as hell don't. I think this is on purpose to prevent Donald Trump from campaigning and being at debates. That's what they're trying to do. And yes, they are trying to put him in jail so he can never run for president again, because they're deathly afraid of him and his America first and trying to get America independent again. All righty. Let me know what you think about all this. I mean, this is kind of insane. Feel free to write me, agree or disagree. Any good points you, you read, of course, I'll read on my podcast without your name, unless you give me permission, because I do respect everybody's privacy. If you want to write me, drew at thewatchdogsbark.com. Oh, and one last thing before I move on is they actually want to make it a crime 
for lawyers to vigorously defend their clients if they're saying things the state disagrees with. Think about that. And remember this, all of these cases, both Jack Smith and Fannie Willis, will have to prove Donald Trump's state of mind, that he actually knew, without a shadow of a doubt, he knew that he had lost the election, and he made an effort to try and overturn that election. He knew he had lost, and he purposefully tried to do things to overturn it. What really happened is his lawyers gave him good faith information on what he could do constitutionally to challenge the results that he had a constitutional right to do, and they had a constitutional right to tell him that there are things that he could do to try and find out if there was cheating, if there was problems and irregularities that could cause the loss of, oh, I don't know, say 11,700 and something votes in Georgia. Yeah, all of that is constitutional. That's called free speech. And the left wants to criminalize that to prevent anyone from ever questioning an election again. Now, why would they want to do that? Why would they want to make it illegal and a criminal act to question elections? Huh. And like I said, uh, oh, as a matter of fact, let me play a little clip of Democrats denying elections. Now, this clip is a little over two minutes, so it's long. But listen to how adamantly they denied elections. The U.S. election. Hacking the U.S. election. Russia hacked our election. The Russians hacked our election. Russia hacked our election. Russia hacked our election. Russian hacking of our election. Hacking of our, of our election. Russia hacked our election. Russia hacked our election. Stolen election. Russia hacked our election. Russia hacked our election. The universal assessment that Russia hacked our election 2016. governments hacked our elections. Most young Americans consider Donald Trump an illegitimate president. An illegitimate president. He's an illegitimate president. Why is he illegitimate? He just won an election. He's an illegitimate president in my mind. That's it. I absolutely agree. Experts urge Clinton Kent to challenge election results. We will see how illegitimate his victory actually was. He's an illegitimate president. Russia hacked our election. Russians hacking our election. Hacked our election. Russia hacking our election. I don't see the president elect as a legitimate president. Trump is an illegitimate president who stole the election. He is not a president. He's illegitimate. And my biggest fear is that he's going to do it again with the help of Vlad, his best pal. It's terrifying. Would you be my vice president? <laughs> Hillary Clinton voters call to overturn election results. More than 4 million people have already signed a petition on change.org calling for the electors of the Electoral College to, quote, ignore their states, votes, and cast their ballots for Secretary Clinton. Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. We are the victims of a bloodless coup. He didn't win the general election. Yo, Electoral College, make Hillary Clinton president, period. Donald Trump is an illegitimate president. Illegitimate president. Dems don't accept Except Trump as a legitimate president. This wasn't on the level. This election was not on the level. I don't think he's a legitimate president. Our election wasn't legit! He got his victory from cheating. Yes, Trump cheated. Trump 
cheated the 2016 election. He's an illegitimate president. No validity, no credibility. Mm -hmm. And because of that... Anger at what some see as an illegitimate president. It will not be a peaceful change of power. A number of incidents turned violent. Protesters hurled trash cans, flash bombs, and objects at police. Several officers injured. Protesters threw rocks and smashed windows, leading to more confrontations, injuries, and arrests. The chaotic scene just blocks outside the secure area of the inauguration. You can see the height of hypocrisy here, can't you? Every one of those people was denying that Donald Trump won in 2016. Denying. Saying the election was stolen. Saying the election, the Russians hacked. Saying that Donald Trump worked directly with his pal Vlad. And did you hear about how they wanted to have a recount and that Hillary should challenge the results of the election? And they should not have a peaceful transfer of power. All the things that they're accusing Trump and his supporters of doing right now, they did in 2017 about the 2016 election. And none of them are facing any kind of ridicule or indictment. Why? Because they're on the right side. They're on the side with the D after their names. They're treated differently. The media backs them up. Social media backs them up. Corporate America backs them up. Hollywood backs them up. They're all on the right side, and you are on the wrong side. How dare you think independently and not along with the groupthink that is allowed thought? Think about that. Okay, Harvard University, Harvard University. We have to say it with a little bit more distinction. Thank you very much. Harvard University has a $53 billion endowment, and their graduate students get a $40,000 a year stipend to live on, to pay for groceries, to pay for uh, rent if they're living off campus, all these things. But you know what? These poor, struggling graduate students aren't able to make ends meet with that measly $40,000 a year. So what is Harvard doing? Are, is, are they donating a small portion, maybe a billion dollars of their $53 billion endowment? No. Harvard is teaching their graduate students how to apply for food stamps. You can't make this up. They're really teaching their graduate students how to apply for food stamps. So we, the taxpayers, will pay for graduate students' food stamps, thanks to Harvard's wonderful educational seminars on how to apply for food stamps. Even though the $40,000 a year stipend we give you isn't enough to satisfy your needs. Oh boy. This is we are now getting to the land of the comically absurd. Do you realize, Harvard University, that if you took just $1 billion out of your $53 billion endowment, you could solve this problem of graduate students not having the money to live on. But also, you could take a billion dollars, or much less than that, and build a school cafeteria that would feed them three meals a day easily 
for less than a billion dollars. But no, Harvard is teaching graduate students how to apply for food stamps and live off the taxpayers. You know, us taxpayers that didn't go to Harvard and didn't get a $40,000 a year stipend to live on. Yeah, all of us taxpayers are now going to foot the bill for food stamps for graduate students at Harvard University. Ridiculous. <sighs> New Jersey, what the hell is going on? Honestly, you have so many conflicting laws, it's ridiculous. You're backing a Catholic school's right to fire a single pregnant mother as a teacher. You're allowing them to fire a single pregnant mother. But you're trying to allow children to declare themselves trans without the school notifying their parents and getting them involved. That's insane. But again, it goes along with what I've been saying for so many episodes is this is all being done on purpose to break the children. Not only break them mentally, but break them away from their parents' influence so the state can raise little faithful, radical, leftist soldiers. Joe Biden's callous response recently when a reporter asked him, does he have anything to say to the people in Maui? And he said, no comment. That's basically how Joe feels about this whole thing. He had just gotten off the beach at his Rehoboth Beach home where he was meeting with former ambassador of Romania. Gosh, I wonder what they were talking about. Hmm. But, you know, he did get FEMA to approve they're going to send $700 to every resident in Lahaina after they lost everything. That, if you, they have like 13,000 residents in, in Lahaina, something like that. So that comes to like $1.9 million. Wow, that's a lot of money. Yeah, we just approved $40 billion more dollars to go to Ukraine. Where are Joe's priorities again? And uh, while we're talking about Joe, is Joe even capable of telling the truth anymore? Honestly, his last press conference in Pennsylvania, he said he was standing by some bridge and he says, I watched this bridge collapse. And he lied about it. He showed up after the bridge had collapsed and didn't see it himself. And then he lied about his upbringing. You know, he lied about his father being a coal miner and, and you know, all these things that he lies about being a trucker. Uh, he drove semi trucks, you know, all these things that he talks about. And he tells the same lies over and over again. One, as I said in my last podcast, the lie about Bo Biden. Bo, he says, you know, my son, uh, you know, came home in a, in a flag draped coffin too from Iraq. No, Joe. That's not true. Your son died in a hospital bed with you and Jill beside him of brain cancer. But this is crazy because in this speech, Joe Biden also bragged again, saying another lie that Bidenomics has reduced the federal deficit by one point seven trillion. I'm doing it in his stupid whisper. Maybe it would get more emphasis this way. I don't know. But he, he said that he, the Bidenomics and what he's done policy-wise has reduced the national debt 
or de- he, he said debt, he's trying, he probably means deficit, by $1.7 trillion. Yeah, he, that stupid whisper voice. That's absolutely false. The $1.7 trillion in reduction was spending that was directly earmarked for COVID. And all of that spending had a sunset clause. And that was when that spending was discontinued. That is where the $1.7 trillion in reduction, it had nothing to do with Bidenomics. It had everything to do with policies that were put in place during the pandemic for extra spending for the pandemic that had a sunset date when that spending would stop. And that spending has stopped. That is where the $1.7 trillion figure comes from. It's kind of the same when Joe Biden and his administration are taking credit for creating 13 million jobs. That's completely false. Over nine point, I think it's 9.7 million jobs are people who had to leave their jobs for COVID and are returning to their jobs after COVID is over. No, Joe, that's not creating new jobs. That's people returning to work that you forced to stay home for two years. It's crazy. Joe Biden, I don't think he's even capable of telling the truth anymore, honestly. All right, Hollywood is being their same intolerant, uh, what do you call it, Um, elitist selves. Now they're going after Bradley Cooper for wearing a prosthetic nose while he portrayed Leonard Bernstein, the famous composer, even though Leonard Bernstein's own family endorsed Bradley Cooper and are fine with him wearing that prosthetic nose because they acknowledge Leonard Bernstein had that big schnoz. And so that was part of the character. The same things happened with Helen Mirren. She's trying to play Gold of My Ear, uh, which I'm really excited about seeing that movie. These two movies are, look really, really good. Uh, Golda, uh, about Golda Meir fighting off the Russian potential invasion. And then also Bradley Cooper when he's playing Leonard Bernstein. I'm, I'm just thinking both of these movies are going to be fantastic. They're probably both going to be Oscar contenders. But the left and their insanity is saying that it was cultural appropriation for these two actors to pretend to be other people. What do you think acting is? Goodness gracious, that's the point of acting. You play other characters. You play different nationalities, different, uh, sometimes different genders. Hello, Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, You know, all these things that actors do to try and work their craft, like getting uh, proficient in dialects and being able to keep all their emotions, you know, on their sleeve and, and easily accessible. All these things go on in the training so actors can portray other people. That's what they do. If these woke idiots get their way and we continue down this insane path, we are only going to have actors playing themselves. White actors playing white actors. Gay actors playing gay actors. uh, Handicapped actors playing handicapped actors. You know, little people playing. I mean, just it's insane. 
That is the whole point of acting, is learning how to imitate other people with their infirmities and their gaits uh, when they walk and their speech patterns. That's acting. In, in the future, we're only going to have Jewish people playing Jewish people, Asian people playing Asian people. I mean, I understand a little bit of why, but you are also hurting actors' ability to expand their craft. That's in my opinion, anyway. So I, that's just absolutely insane. Okay, along those lines, I want to make one quick statement about this new Snow White movie. If Disney's smart, they will shelve this project and they will not release it because the woman playing Snow White, I believe she's Latino, she's talking about how the movie is so dated and that it's uh, Prince Charming was stalking her and, you know, these, it, was, it was making fun of, of little people. It's not that way at all. It was a beloved classic. It was the top grossing animated film adjusted for, you know, uh, money back then and money back and money now. But it is so beloved. And that was the fun thing that she went to escape and live with these dwarves because she was hiding. And then the real evil in that movie is the evil queen and the witch that poisoned the apple that put her to sleep. And, you know, of course, the modern, <laughs> the people today, the Gen Zs and the, and the millennials say, well, he didn't ask for her permission to kiss her. So it, he took advantage of her. And that was like sexual harassment. No, <laughs> the curse that she fell under by eating that apple put her to sleep permanently. And the only way to, br to break that spell was true love's kiss. Also, the lead, Rachel Zegler, said in an interview that they're taking out the true love element, and it's about women being empowered. Dun, da, da, da. Yeah, that goes against the entire reason for the story. It's a love story. It's one of the most beloved love stories in, in history, and they're turning it into something for women's empowerment. And she's looking forward to being the leader that, well, here, listen to her say it specifically. You said you were bringing a modern edge to it on stage. What do you mean by that? I just mean that it's no longer 1937. And we absolutely wrote a Snow White. That she's is not going to be yeah. saved by the prince. She's not going to be saved by the prince. And she's not going to be dreaming about true love. She's dreaming about becoming the leader she knows she can be. Did you notice how condescending she was? It's not 1937. <laughs> this is not a love story. She's not saved by the prince. She's looking forward to being the leader she was meant to be. I promise you this, Disney, if you're listening, do not release this film. If you do, it will destroy what's left of your company. You will make no money off of this film. No one's going to go see a film based on the original love story, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and not have any part of that original story included in this version. Everybody want to see when, and by the way, Disney destroys a lot of things by doing live action versions of them. Just leave them animated. That's what's fun to watch, the animated versions when you're making live actions of Aladdin and live action of Lion King and live action of, stop. Just 
leave the animated to live on their own. The animated films are beloved by everyone. Quit trying to redo things with the modern wokeism. This film will fail. Mark my words. All right, the last thing is I want to talk about is there's $300 million worth of raw materials down on our southern border that was being used to build the wall. The instant Joe Biden took over the presidency, he stopped the building of that wall. There had been, uh, I don't know, over 500 miles of the wall was built. And they were like less than 100 left, I think. or so. I don't know exactly what it was, but it was almost all finished. And then those materials just sat on the ground and rusted. Recently, the, I think I don't, it was, was it SCOTUS? I don't know if it was Supreme Court or not, but it was determined that the construction of the wall could continue. And the, the, the executive order that Joe Biden said to stop it would only last for a certain time. So now that has sunsetted and construction of the wall is supposed to begin again to finish the project as it was outlined. Well, Joe Biden doesn't want this to happen. So what is he doing? He's selling all of these raw materials now for pennies on the dollar to make sure that wall can't be built. We have to have that southern border wide open so we can bring in all of these people from 130 different countries around the world. That, and then we're incentivizing them by giving them free phones and free health care and free food stamps and free housing. And, you know, it's just why wouldn't you come to America? But Joe is making sure that those materials cannot be used to build a wall. You know, because walls are evil. <laughs> and if you look at every single person screaming that walls are evil, they have walls around their own estates. Gosh, I wonder why they have those walls. I mean, walls don't work, right? I mean, if you have a wall 30 feet high, all you need is a ladder 40 feet high to get over it. Well, it's the same thing with the walls protecting your estates, all of you hypocrites. And really quickly, I want to just talk just briefly about this brouhaha over Michael Orr suing the Tui family, claiming that they didn't, they lied to him, saying that they adopted him and they really only got a conservatorship, and that they kept money from the movie proceeds of The Blind Side and didn't tell him. And what's really truly insane is people are asking Sandra Bullock to give back her Oscar. That's just stupid. Sandra Bullock was given a movie script. She accepted that movie script. She played the role as best she knew how. She deserves to keep that Oscar because it was a great performance. What is happening between Michael Orr and the Tuies? That's just whatever happens. I don't know. Did Michael Orr run out of money? Did he not save correctly or invest that money? He made like $35 million playing professional football. And the conservatorship, as far as I know, was to avoid the NCAA rules on adopting inner city kids that are talented to try and get them into certain schools and all that. So they had to do a conservatorship instead. And plus, Michael Orr was 18 when they became his conservators. So anyway, I don't know what's going on with that. I feel bad for both sides. Uh, I mean, the Tuies, they're worth like $200 million when they took Michael in. And they still love him. And I don't know what's going on here. I, I think it's sad. But for people to ask for Sandra Bullock to give up her Oscar, shut up. Literally, just stop. 
you're not intelligent enough to know what you're talking about. Because Sandra Bullock wasn't involved in this dispute. She played a character. She was presented a script. She accepted that script. She accepted, I don't know, what did she get, $15 million for her upfront fee? But who? she did an amazing performance. That was a great movie and a great performance by Sandra Bullock, especially. So anyway, that's all I have to say about that. All right. Now, as I always like to do, I want to end on a positive note. All right. In the past, I've been talking a lot about this new book that I'm reading right now, The Power of the Subconscious Mind. My friends and I are studying it together and really picking it apart. And I wanted to share another thing that's very, very important about the subconscious mind. You see, the subconscious mind accepts what is impressed upon it no matter what. It does not reason things out like your conscious mind. It does not argue with you. It accepts what you are saying as truth. So we have to be very careful because something that's happening a lot today is people are consciously assuming something as true, even though it's proven false or can be proven false. Your subconscious mind will accept it as truth and proceed to bring about results which must necessarily follow because you're, conscious, you're consciously assuming it to be true. That's a very important thing. It does, good or bad suggestions to your subconscious mind, your subconscious mind does not discern what is good or what is bad. What you are focusing on the most is what your subconscious mind will work to bring about in your life. So that's why I said be very careful about saying, I can't do this, I can't afford that, I, don't want, I can't do this, I can't, can't, can't. Take can't out of your vocabulary. You can. You just got to learn the proper way to talk to your subconscious mind. Always feed it positive suggestions. No matter how you think these things cannot happen, like I said, your subconscious has the answer to every question you're looking for. It's recorded every single thing you've said, heard, smelt, tasted, read throughout your entire life. From the moment you came out of your mother's womb, everything is recorded. And at the same time, it kept your heart beating, your lungs breathing, your skin growing, your hair growing, your nails growing. All of these things your subconscious mind controls. That's how powerful it is. So feed it positive suggestions and understand what you focus on most is what your subconscious mind is going to think you want. So it's going to bring it about. Those old adages, and I've said this in other podcasts, but haven't attributed it to this. Basically, when you, uh, you hear the expression, when it rains, it pours. It's true. When you focus on negative things, your subconscious mind says, oh, you want to focus on negative. Okay, well, we'll bring more focus for more negative things for you to focus on. So it's the same thing with positive. If you have positive things, you're feeding your subconscious all the time. You're going to have positive experiences. So that's the most important thing in today's lesson <laughs> is the subconscious mind does not discern what is good and bad. It just discerns what you're focusing on the most. So make good choices. Focus on the positive, And I promise it'll change your life. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. If you agree or disagree with anything I've said, please don't hesitate to write me. Drew at the watchdogsbark.com. In the next report, I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about how the left is controlling the narrative. I'll go into much more detail 
in the next podcast, but I think that's a very important thing to start with. The left controls the narrative. I'll give you just one example. Book bans. There are no book bans. These books that are being restricted for age appropriateness are available in the bookstores. Parents can buy their children those books if they want. There are just people trying to prevent them from being in school libraries where young children can check them out and read age-inappropriate material. That is it. All right. And that concludes this podcast. Until next time, create an amazing day and please relay the bark.